Today's scripture is Matthew 27, 39 to 55. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you're the son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he wants to. For he said, I am God's son. The rebels who were crucified with him also taunted him in the same way. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, this man is calling for Elijah. At once, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see where Elijah will come to save him. Then Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were terrified and said, Truly, this man was God's son. Many women were also there looking on from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Anybody going trick-or-treating? You got the trunk-or-treat. Uh, anybody wearing costumes? Anybody else with... Anything like that? No? It's just you? Yeah? Allison's wearing freckles and things like that. So when I, my favorite costume when I was a kid was, uh, I, I loved to go as uh, Dracula. It was my, my favorite. We didn't, we didn't have any heroes back then. Uh, we just had Dracula, and uh, you could get these fake teeth. That's when choking hazards weren't a thing. So you just <laughs> you, you put them in there. And my mom made me a, a Dracula cape, you know, with the, the thing, the collar up, you know, and everything. And uh, I got to wear this, like, uh, this vest thing, and she slicked my hair back. Shut up. She slicked it back. <laughs> I, had, I had really curly hair, uh, really thick curly hair at one point in my life. And uh, when you slick it back, you, I really, I, you know, I had the whole, you know, televangelist thing happen in there. It just went <laughs> high and over there. And uh, I remember just being so proud. And then they told us that it was, you know, cold out, and we had to wear our jackets and so I had to put on this white, puffy, uh, heavy coat over all of the stuff, you know. And I had to put a hat over the televangelist hair. So all I really had were the teeth, you know. And I, but to me, it still looked like Dracula, you know, even though I'm walking around like this, you know, in the puffy thing. And, you know, it just kind of looks like an evil snowman, really, is what it kind of looked like. And we went to this one house, and uh, we rang the doorbell, and this these older kids came up behind us, and they said, uh, 
Yeah, we've, we've been to this house before. It'll, it'll take a little bit. And so there's about four of us. We're standing there, and suddenly, without warning, these kids grab our bags of candy, and they run for it. And one, one kid, dressed as Batman, uh, forgot to let go of the bag, and so he just flew across the front yard, and uh, they, they terrified us there for a second there because we, they, they just, Halloween was, I mean, that's the thing you look forward to. And this was like, you know, the, the, the last house, and so it was like we had full bags of, of stuff, you know. And back then, you, you know, the candy you get now is like, you know, pea-sized, you know, but this was like, you'd get like full-size candy bars and things like that. And it was, it was all gone. And I was, we were just horrified and kids were crying. And suddenly this, this wonderful thing uh, just went all awry. And we just felt, you know, scared and left out and curious and, and all of that kind of stuff, you know? kind of like what people were feeling 2,000 years ago, really. You see, they had expected this person that entered this town to be this, uh, this hero, this, this savior. Many of them had grown up with stories of uh, this was the person that was going to save them from the repression, from being uh, held down by the, the Romans. This was a person that was going to wipe them out and Israel was going to be free again. And so when he came in and named himself the Messiah and people called himself the Messiah, they were expecting the treats of the Messiah. They were expecting something huge. But all they saw was a person that was sitting and talking with others. A person that was, that was welcoming strangers. A person that was telling us uh, to love our enemy a person that was actually sitting and conversing and helping centurions, the enemy. And so by the time that they had seen this person on the cross, a lot of their hopes and dreams felt incredibly diminished. Incredibly, they almost felt like they had been lied to. They felt like this was not the person that they said that he was. You know, crucifixions were very, very common in those days. Roman soldiers used to get bored with it. That's how many times they had it. They used to try to perfect things. They weren't the ones that invented crucifixions. They were the ones that mastered it because their goal was to make sure that the person that was on there suffered the most and lived the longest. Their idea was not to just have a dead body up there. Their idea was to have people watch somebody in excruciating pain. That's where excruciating actually comes from, is crucifixion. That much pain. They used to even build little things on their, uh, where they could put their feet on. Because you didn't bleed to death. What you did is you self-asphyxiated yourself. Because you would, your body would get so weak and so tired that you would kept falling. And they... You have to trying to pick yourself up, but the only way that you could pick yourself up was to pull on the things that had nails through it. And so the Romans figured out if they put a, just a little platform, we can make this last even longer. There were some very gruesome cases where people would, crows would actually start feeding on people before they would actually die. This was a reminder of who was in charge. 
And now the person that called themselves the Messiah is among that. And he's not saving anybody. He's not jumping down there. Angels are not coming down with machetes and machine guns. Everything is still normal. And so a lot of the folks, it was as if their hopes and dreams, just like those uh, trick-or-treat baskets, were just pulled away from them. And they were angry. They were they felt betrayed. And so a lot of times when we're angry, we can, we can easily jump into mocking, sarcasm. And that's exactly what the people around them did. They were saying, you call yourself the son of God? Well, where's God? Pull, pull yourself down from there. You say you could destroy the temple? We'll, we'll get down from there. Religious leaders were egging this on because this is exactly what they wanted. They wanted the crowd to be disillusioned by what was happening. And to them, this was the greatest disillusion. They had put all their hopes and dreams on it, and now here he was on this cross dying and doing nothing. I, I think, you know, oftentimes I always tell people that when you read those stories, you are going to connect with it much better if you put yourself in the position of the people that were there. If you put yourself in that time and place and put yourself in all of the, the parts. Keep reading it over and over again and put yourself, what if I was this person? What if I was this person? The most humbling part is when you realize that the people mocking Jesus may have been you. Sometimes we fall into that category. You know, just like the Thanksgiving baskets and all of that kind of stuff, we have our hopes and dreams, we think life is going well, and then something happens that hurts us, that frightens us, that scares us. And our first reaction is, where's God? If God is such and such, why is this happening? We live in a world that we want it to be perfect. We live in a world that we want to be the way that we want it to be. And it's not. I, had, I don't know why I was born here. I had no control over it. But somehow I was born where I can stand up here and I can give my opinion. I can share my thoughts. Today, I'm not food insecure. I'm not worried about my next meal. I, I'm not worried about whether or not I'm going to be warm tonight. But yet there's people that just because of where they were born, they don't have the freedom. They can't say what their opinions are. They do worry about warmth. They are food insecure. And to me, I look at that and I think, that's not fair. And it's easy for us to say, if this is happening, then where is God? This is where we say, you call yourself the son of God, get off that cross and help that person. 
Some of us, we, we have rationale for it. We, have, we say, well, you know, there's, there's all, you know, people ask me, you know, why is this happening and everything? And there's a long answer to it, but the simple fact is, is it just happens. We can easily say that, uh, you know, there are odds and all that kind of stuff, and it's just unfortunate. And even for us that are living in a, in a land of, of, of freedom and all of this kind of stuff, we are at each other's throats continuously. We are fighting. We, we look for things to fight. We look for differences. Just because somebody was born a certain way, suddenly they're less than. Within our own free country, because of the odds, somebody has and another person has not. Somebody's treated well, another person is treated poorly. And we keep fighting. And we keep asking ourselves, where's, where's God? Where's God at this time? Is it my preaching? Was it me? <laughs> my wife does this when I talk too long. <laughs> There's a lot of things that go on in this world that make us ask, why God? Why God? Why, why is this happening? And a lot of people in the... In the, in the First century, we're asking the exact same thing as we are today. There were people that were growing up in this place that was overruled by Rome. They were told stories that they were once free. They were told stories that they once ruled the world in their eyes. And now, everything that they have is a regime. They are repressed and lost. And they're watching him. And he's just sitting there, suffering, bleeding. This is the guy that we put all our faith into. This is the guy that was supposed to, to save us. This was, this was our connection to God, and now he's just dying. What were we thinking? What did we expect? We expected something to change in our time and place right now. We expected something to change in our world right now. We expected something to change within our specifications. We expected him to like us and hate them. That's what they wanted. They weren't praying for peace. They were praying for the annihilation of Rome. They were praying for them to be the victors again and another group to be gone. And Jesus just sat there and died. Kind of how I felt when someone took my, my Halloween candy. For a moment, I just felt hopeless. Felt like a loss. I felt like, why does that happen in the world? Why, why are older kids doing that? Why, why did Batman fly across the front yard? 
And I remember coming home thinking that was just all over. You know, because when you're a kid, losing candy, there's really nothing greater, you know. And there was my father. My father uh, was a meat packer, and uh, he carried a lot of beef, and he was a, a very strong individual. He was short. Uh, just picture me with muscles. <laughs> yes, it's hard to do, isn't it? I always told people that he looked like Fred Flintstone in pants, but, um, and thank God for that. But I to we told him about what had happened, and my dad was, uh, he was uh, sitting there, and I just remember him going, all right, come with me. And he took us out the front door, and he said, describe these kids. Uh, that's back when parents could terrorize and nobody did anything. <laughs> the good old days. Um, and we walked in uh, right around the corner. We spotted the kids. And they're laughing and they've got this huge bag of candy. And my father just, you know, he's like five, six. These kids were like, I don't know, taller. Uh, and he just came up to them grabbed him by the shoulder, and he said, what is your name? And they just trembled. And he physically turned them back to our house, and he just walked them back to our house, and he sat them on the floor in our living room while he called their parents. And suddenly, what seemed like a loss, I felt like something was happening. Something was getting better. I couldn't explain still why it happened. I couldn't explain what my father was doing. I mean, I was quite young. But I just knew that something bigger than myself was taking care of it. You know, that's kind of how the centurions felt 2,000 years ago. While the religious leaders were still trying to confuse the crowd and trying to you know, make them feel uh, turned away from and everything, it was the centurions that noticed that things like the ground was shaking. They noticed that uh, the sky had gone dark. And they had heard that in the temple, the curtain was ripped from top to bottom. That curtain was the separation of the people to where they believed God lived. That's significant. That's basically somebody coming through and saying, this is now open. They couldn't really explain it. They couldn't really understand what was going on. But they said to themselves, something has happened here. Maybe this guy is who he says he is. Maybe we suffer for a while here, but maybe there's something bigger going on that we don't know about. Maybe there's a tough old parent that's going to make things right. I couldn't explain that Halloween. I couldn't explain what was going on. 
But at the end, the dad came and he took the guys and he said, the greatest words I've ever heard in my life, give them all your candy. <laughs> it's still the greatest words I've ever heard in my life. And we had more candy than we could ever describe in our lives. And maybe that's what happens after this. You know, one thing I do know is that I don't know a lot. And there's a mystery to it. There's a mystery as to why bad things happen. There's a mystery as to why Christ had to die on the cross. But you know what? I find some comfort in knowing that, for one, every one of us has felt grief and loneliness and even, at times in our life, betrayal or mistrust. We have a God that once hung on a cross and said, why, why have you abandoned me? We have, we have a God that took it upon himself to feel what we feel. You know, that saying, what he, what he, felt, what he said there, why have you forsaken me, is from a, a psalm that, which actually ends in kind of a, a nice, nice way. But we're not really meant to focus on that right now. What we're meant to focus on is that at this moment, Jesus felt alone. Jesus felt betrayed. Jesus felt scared. Jesus felt angry. Jesus was actually saying, where are you? Which gives us permission to feel the same. And it was the centurions that saw that even though we couldn't quite explain why things happen, we knew that something bigger was happening. We knew that that curtain had been torn. We knew that God was connected with us. And maybe that's what we hang on to. If you want a simple answer of why bad things happen, the simplest answers I can tell you is because it does just like it did then. But we do follow a God that's willing to give up everything so that we can have something beyond this where we can have all the candy in the world. That's a pretty sweet story. See what I did there? Sweet candy. I'll now wrap this up. Oh, there I did it again. Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, there are times when we struggle because of things that we see, things that we experience. There are times that we say, where are you? Help us remember that what we see before us is not the end game. Help us to remember that there was a reason that you you did what you did, a reason that connects us in some mysterious way. Help us to put our faith into that 
and know that know that you got things covered. Help us to feel that, experience that. And in the things that we do in this life, help us to be an echo of that. Help us to remember to love you, to know that you love us, and to help us love each other. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen.